Welcome back to the Corporate Escapee Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Trainer. Today's guest is Brandon Matika. This is Brandon's third visit to the show. Believe it or not, he first appeared back on episode three, episode three, way back in 2019. I'm like, oh my God, I've been doing this for four years. And then episode 40 back in 2020. So shame on me for, for having this two space too far apart. And you'll see why when we get into the episode. But so Brandon is the founder of Sales and Marketing Inc., where he works with small businesses with their sales and marketing needs. How about that? A unique name that actually tells people what he does. I believe this number is well over 50 businesses or maybe over 70 businesses at this point. Brandon, am I in the ballpark? Yep. Awesome. Yep, we're right about 70. Okay, fantastic. Yep. Volunteers at a local community college and the University of Iowa, which we'll let slide for the sake of the show, but that's all right. <laughs> yeah. um, also started a young entrepreneur program last year to help founders avoid costly mistakes in their business. And we'll dig into those two in a bit because he this has actually been a really positive business development channel for him. And I really want to understand how, how that worked. And last but not least, as we've talked about on the show all the time, diversifying your revenue streams. He's starting three new businesses in addition to <laughs> what he's doing with Sales and Marketing, Inc. So, Brandon, welcome back to the show. Did I miss anything? No, it's perfect. All right. <laughs> and thanks for having me again. When you and I got caught up a couple weeks ago, I guess, um, you're talking about your business and how it's it's really kind of a booming, uh, how it's booming. And then you got into the, the biz dev channels and talked about channel partners. And if you don't have channel partners sure. or referral partners, then don't even do it. I'm like, whoa, all right, this is this is a different angle, which again, we're all hungry for, you know, new business. So so I thought I'd have you back on and just talk about your business model, because um, I really do think it's Perfect. it's a good um, blueprint for for folks to think about and consider as they're they're starting to ramp up. So, with all that being said, to get started, why don't you share with the audience a little bit about what you're working on today, what those businesses are, and then we'll get back into how that's evolved over the last few years. I'll make this a little bit of a longer story, especially for the listeners will probably find this interesting. You know, I'm a service company. I started my company when I was 26, and I was going in claiming, "Hey, I'm an expert." at what I do. And I've been in the you know marketing stuff 17, but when someone sees someone who's as young as me being like, I know exactly what to do, like your CMO doesn't kind of thing, there's a ton of doubt there. So what you end up having is you start talking to these businesses when you're 26 and they're like, well, I want to see testimonials. I want to see client lists. I want to see referral lists. I want to make phone calls to your previous customers, all this stuff, right? So I go through it. I'm like, there's, it's just my sales conversion rates are terrible. People weren't taking me seriously. So I went through and I started talking to partners and I was like, hey, you know, if you could add credibility to the new business name, you know, could you do that with me? You know, we'll do part partner projects together. You know, you'll be kind of my my reputation. Like you'll go out and you'll say I can do my job. And then that started my very first referral partner structure. Because the first, you know, two to three months of my business, I mean, we weren't getting anything at all. I think I had one customer first two to three months but by month six i had like four or five just because of referral partner structures and then by the end of the next year i had worked with over 30 companies just because and they're all referral partner structures or strategic partners well one how did you even know was it just intuition that you knew that there was somebody with business out there and then two how did you approach and then look to maybe not necessarily structure them but how did you seek out the right the right partners how what what did that look like it was not super intentional at first. 
Okay. So again, 26, I really didn't know what I was doing. So like, I don't want to like make it be like, Hey, I knew what I was doing. I really didn't, but I knew people in the industry, especially in the area. So I'm in Cedar Rapids, Iowa and there's marketing agencies here already. And I went to all of them and I said, I will take your worst projects. I will do whatever work you don't want to do. And I, I am so like confident in my abilities. I'll take your worst projects. And they were ecstatic. They're like, absolutely. Uh, so I ended up having to work with, you know, people that were not easy to work with. I ended up doing projects that were kind of a nightmare or really complicated or, you know, their structures, their marketing sales structures were just terrible. And they're like, we don't want to deal with it. Uh, like we won't make a money, any money on it. Like profit margins aren't there. I was like, I'll take it. And that's how that started. So almost all of my projects initially were some sort of referral partner structure. And I would take over these clients entirely. Okay. So they would give me the clients. I'd give them 20% back on the initial contract. That was all my initial contracts. And then I ended up going to where some of the partners saw my work. They saw I handled the projects. And they are like, wow, you know, we should actually work together. And then it turned into a strategic partnership to where we do projects almost 50-50. Okay. Which is a majority of my projects now are their content writers, content developers. They go through and do all the content generation stuff. And we can do that. I can do that. But I don't love it. Right. It just takes too much time. It's not, it's not one of my specialties. So they go through and, and they sell the project. Most of the time I get uh, like a notification. Like, hey, a new contract's been signed. Uh, when can you start? And then I go and they do take care of the billing. They'll send me the billing for me. It's a very strategic. When they grow, I grow. If I get a contract that's good for them, when I grow, they grow. And it's just a great way for us to build together. It's a super interesting. I, I love that idea. It was interesting. For a while, I was railing against being a subcontractor. This really isn't a subcontract. This is more of a partnership, right? Where you're doing a certain task that they can't do and vice versa, or you don't want to do in many cases. So yep. interesting. And so is there, without getting into the details, is there still referral fees with it? Or is it you guys are just both benefiting it from because you're both getting business? Almost all of them right now are straight 50-50. Okay. Almost oh, all awesome. of them. So it builds a lot of consistency. Now I can expect probably one to two new contracts every month, you know, on some sort of scale. And they're not always, we talked about this before, I love retainer models. Uh, so I, all my marketing campaigns, like all my projects, I plan them out over the course of a year. That you can go to a company and go, hey, this is what I would do if you're, as you're like CMO or CSO or, you know, whoever. Right. And this is what I would do for a year. And this is the steps I would take. And here's why I would take those steps. And it's easy for them to see. And then I could help them execute that over the course of the year. And I like that because I can keep track of KPIs. You keep track of stats. And I'm more involved. I can go through and say, hey, you know, these lead generation rates are dropping. These are increasing, stuff like that. And those are phenomenal. Love that. But almost half of these are also projects where I'm only working with them the two to three months. We'll do them. Yeah. But they're not ideal. Yeah. So if you think about it from the retainer, right, because one of the things talking about people leaving corporate, right, we've got different skill sets, we can do different things. And most of them are like, well, I'm not sure the the path, right? I don't want to build a Google or a Facebook or a big company. And, you know, what I've once I've shifted the focus of this podcast more on these specifics, it's been amazing the number of different paths that there is available for folks to take and, you know, from the fractionals to the consultants and you're kind of doing a combination of the two, the service business with retainers to a, to a hybrid. 
So if I'm looking at your retainer model, are you acting as CMO or are you more of a, you know, a couple times a week checking in? How does just in general terms, if I, if somebody's in the marketing space thinking about that type of a deal, is this, you're just managing the program for them? You check in once a week? I prefer once a week. Okay. If not, the projects tend to stall and tasks, the tasks at hand tend to not get done. So I usually try to do it once a week. Uh, usually the actual involvement, it depends if the contract was sold for me or not. It usually was the happening if they're sold for me, the company's managing also the client interaction. And I'm coming in as kind of like the development team. Like I am the development team. I'm the expert team. I am in addition to that person who sold. So they usually handle the client interaction. So half of these, I haven't even met the owner of the business yet. I'm acting as you know the backup for that person. So usually the person who sells still maintains client interactions. They maintain the project. They'll take credit for as much as they want. And I'll just, I'll sit and bend back and, and do what I have to do. And I'll give them advice on what to do with the client, what to tell them, goals and objectives, next steps. And they can go, they can pitch that to the client as much as they want. I would highly recommend a partner structure. Uh, almost every company is going to run into the same issues of credibility. So if you're a brand new company, especially in the service industry, which yeah. you're kind of in it, you know, you've been working at it for years. I've been working at it for years until you get to the point where you've been in it for years and you have that client base and you have those testimonials, you have those things. It's hard to go through and, and start and you're competing against people who have experience and all that. So if you're going to go a service-based industry, just like this, and you're going to do a marketing program, just like mine, going to do some sort of marketing service. The very first thing I would do is understand what you like to do, what you're really good at. Also understand if you're going to do a partner structure, understand what your partners are really good at and what they hate doing. It is so easy to go to marketing companies and other people and go, what do you hate doing? They will gladly offload leads. They will gladly it's one of those things to where if they even get a referral kickback on it, you know, 20% of the initial contract where the agreement is between the two of you, they will gladly do that. Why wouldn't they? They're getting rid of, of a, a horrible project. It adds to your credibility because you're getting a, a contract and you're going to go through and you're going to learn what it is to work with difficult clients right away. It immediately adds to your credibility. Is it the easiest route in the world? No, but it's a great way to get that infrastructure done. Because until you're, I mean, your website, if you're a brand new company and you have, let's say you've SEO'd it to the max, on-page SEO, off-page SEO, you've done all the things, they're probably waiting six months to a year before that even starts pulling in really good organic leads consistently. So until that time period happens, you're going to have to, you're going to have to, you know, the hunter and the farmer, you're going to have to be a hunter. Then you're going to have to just take what you can get. So go through, get as many partners as you can. And then I also went through and I built my network as drastically and quickly as I possibly could. So I went to all the local community colleges, went to the local universities, you know, University of Iowa. Why don't you dig into that a little bit? Because I think it's an interesting because we all have community colleges and universities around where we're living. And so how did you what was what was your approach there? So Kirkwood Community College here uh, teamed up with the Small Business Development Center, so the SBDC. And the SBDC goes through and they provide, I want to say free. They're not free resources to businesses. Well, I think to the client is free, but you know, they actually do pay us counselors. 
So we go through and we will donate our time. So we get paid like $50 an hour to go through, quote unquote, and donate our time. So what they do is the university or the local community colleges, SBDC, will get all these businesses like, hey, we need help. We don't know what to do. And then whoever's running the SBDC will then go to all of our counselors and go, hey, we have a business that we think you're fit for to help. Will you donate some time? So I would go through and I was working with, you know, four to five different SBDC clients at a time, donating four to eight to 12 hours of my time to get them on track. And going through and doing that at the end of, you know, the duration, depending on how structured the company is and how much financial you know infrastructure they have, they can request to work with you when they're done. So whether it was four hours or eight hours or 12 hours, if they were in really bad shape, you give them 12 hours for free. You would just keep extending it and adding more duration because they can't they can't afford it otherwise. But if they could, after four day, four hours or eight hours of free time, they would go, I want to work with them on a paid engagement. We would both sign a contract. And then from there, we would go and we would start working together. Interesting. Okay. So, you know, your first year, you're getting re- I'm getting referral partners. I'm getting projects that they didn't want. And I'm going to SBDC and I'm donating my time to work with these businesses that are also in really rough shape. Again, not easy projects, but they're projects you're going through and you're helping them become stable again. And then the University of Iowa, they have acceleration programs. So same thing. You have all these young, young businesses that are making mistakes. They don't know exactly what they're doing yet. And then you'd work with a team of you know up to 10 different counselors all in a room with 10 different businesses. And you'd all break out and you'd all work with each other you know, one-on-one and talk about how can we make this business better? So I did all that first year. It was all first year laying the groundwork, trying to become stable. Some really interesting ideas. Again, as you're thinking about non, I wouldn't say these aren't non-traditional, but not many people talk about this, right? This is such a better way because I'm always like, leverage your network. Why not go through network? And if your network's not big, then start growing your network. And I think you've given some really good ideas of where to start. Because I'm guessing every state, I think we've got the it's not the SBDC, but it's a small business, something similar. So there's a lot of business structures too that just they just meet every week. They have like lunch or breakfast. Together. Yeah, networking events, right? For, networking events for like sure. every day, or every week, every day, whatever it is. Join those. Like obviously, I'm making it sound like this was like all super easy. I had tons of conversations that went nowhere. Yeah, for sure. You have a million business meetings that you're like, I don't like that person, and you're not going to work with that person. However. Again, if it's if you're going to hunt for customers, if you're going to go hunting for that and actually put the time in, start with partners. If you're starting a new business and you don't have partners, it's going to be very difficult. You have no backing, you know. I think you're right. You're going to get some word of mouth referrals from just your network that people know you may jump start it, but you know, that's why I think your the timing with you talking about partnerships in there it just it just makes sense. I think we're going to see more and more of that. And the sooner we, the audience can take advantage of it, you know, you'll, I don't want to say first mover, but you'll have a lot more opportunities. And at some point it'll get a little more condensed. Awesome. Awesome. All right. So I know you had also talked about the young entrepreneur group that you had started and maybe just sound, I think I know where this is going based on the other volunteer, but explain a little bit, you know, one, how you got that started and, um, kind of the benefits of, of doing that as well. It started very naturally, like organically. Uh, essentially, a lot of the people I knew, a lot of the friends I have here in the area were like, hey, I'm kind of interested in starting my own company. How would I start? 
and you know i tell them and then he's like well you know okay that's step one what's step two and i was like yeah I have a whiteboard. I'm like, all right, let's come over to my place. We'll write on a whiteboard. And then, you know, after about a, you know, we met every week. After about two months, you know, we had a group of like six people. And then third month, we had a group of like 10 people. And then, you know, after the fourth month, fifth month, then you have like 12, 15 people per week, you know, to show up. And then you'd go through and depending on where they were, their business model, where, you know, business stage, you'd go through and I would try to dedicate time to each business and explain. You know, this is what you're doing. This is what you should be doing. Here's next steps. This is what you should look out for. All that stuff. And it, and so we started calling it. Yep, yep, yep. Group. So the Young Entrepreneur Program. Yep, group. So every summer, so you know, probably starting in spring, depending on how you know my own business growth goes with the new businesses, we'll go through. And if I have the time, I'll probably start it again. So the whole program is if you're brand new, you're a young entrepreneur. It doesn't mean you're like young either. Like you can be any age, just a young entrepreneur. You're, you're young in your journey, becoming a, a corporate escapee, something like that. How do you start? And how do you avoid the mistakes that almost every business makes when they first start? That's, there's a reason why the failure of business rates are, you know, they're so high. It was like 95% of that. I mean, a lot of these businesses, these guys would start their business or these young, you know, guys, girls would start their business and they would have no idea how to do financials. They would no idea, have no idea how to forecast financials. You know, if I made this many sales, how much money would I, would I make? But what would my expenses be? Their minds aren't working like that yet. You know, how do I grow clientele? How do I do my website? How do I do my branding? You know, why do I make my logo look a certain way? Why do I pick certain colors versus other colors? These are all brand new concepts, right? Like, how do I reach my target market? How do I understand my target market? How do I understand that pain? These are all new concepts. So the goal is essentially take, you know, a business school, you know, four-year, two-year program and squish it down into a three to four-month program. And that's the Young Entrepreneur Program. Again, you donating your time or is this a for-fee program or where? Just just straight donating time. See, again, another theme with this is, you know, look at all the time that, that Brandon has donated back, the value that you're giving. Right to give to get cannot right. be understated enough, and guess what? You're getting it all back, right? It's it's coming back. It took a little bit That's of time right. to to, to right. lay that groundwork. And the other little thing we talked about offline before is not only do you have this going, you've decided you know 2023 is year you're going to start three more businesses outside of it. That's which right. again, I'm a huge fan of multiple revenue streams. Make a lot of small little bets, right? Get the core of your business taken care of. Right, pay the bills, do that, but then explore. That's kind of the beauty of going on your own and solo, um, right? That you have. So, why don't right. you talk a little bit about <laughs> why three? Is it just the opportunities presented themselves, or how how are you thinking about this? I was watching a video, and then it was some sort of investor, and he was like, "If you want to go through and, and be financially stable for yourself and your family, so, you know, everybody." I usually need about seven revenue streams. So like seven, like that was the number I saw. And I, and I remember the context after or before that video, but I remember the number of seven, seven, yeah, seven I mean, revenue streams. I've seen that too. So I went through, I was like, I'm looking at this and I'm like, you know, I, sales and marketing is doing phenomenal. Love it. Great. It, but even I was like, I'm extremely limited by my time. You know, if right. I want to make more money, I have to work more. And that is exhausting. 
you know, it's so easy to burn out in the service-based industry. So you're like, well, I want to make more money, but then I'm not spending time with my family. Right. And it's just, I hate that trade-off. I hate it. So I'm going through it. I'm like, I don't want to do this forever. You know, if I, I want to be able to brag about how few hours I'm working a week instead of yeah. how many I'm working. You know, I don't want to be like, I work 60 hours a week. There's no value in that to me. I want to go. I'm with you. <laughs> right. I, I want to be like, I work 10 hours a week. Like, I want to be able to brag about that. So I went through and I was like, you know, what would be the best way to do that? And that led to, you know, let's start coming up with new business models where I would go through and I build the infrastructure of the business and then someone else actually does the work kind of thing. So the very first business is actually my wife, Cassie. She's wanting to start her own, uh, like it's called Made Retro, which you could probably assume what the business is about. She makes retro style clothing. You know, we go through, we buy different types of clothing, different t-shirts. We design our own designs or we get contractor design designs. Then we go through and we we put those on t-shirts. And that opened up the door for us to get our own printing equipment. So our own t-shirt printing equipment, which also led to us being in this space because it's an industrial size t-shirt printing machine. And then we have to be <laughs> in a place zone for it, you know, commercial. So we went through and we're like, well, with that with that machine that we have over there in that room, we could then also do custom prints. So we could go through and we could offer, you know, if any company wants like a polo or a t-shirt, or they want, you know, something printed on a t-shirt or sleeves, koozies, you know, anything fabric related. We now have a machine that can print print any design you want. It doesn't matter how many colors it is, how, you know, batch size. It's not screen printing. It's called direct to film, you know, for all those who probably know. And it opened up multiple revenue streams. So going through that's you know, one machine opened up two businesses right there. We're hoping to launch both, you know, websites within the next month. So things are probably going to get really busy with those, hopefully. Uh, the third one is going to be my buddy specializes in human resource data collection. So think of like recruitment. Uh, how do we you go through and build recruitment programs like in-house recruitment, but also make it super efficient? You know, because the amount of resumes you need versus the amount of hires you get oh, is yeah, astronomical. Yeah. Like for especially if a really key hire, you're looking usually about 250 resumes to a good key hire. But if you go through and you, you optimize that process, you cut that number in half. Again, there's a whole thing about it, you know, making sure everything's done right. It's actually very similar to a marketing campaign, making sure you're targeting the right people. So then you have recruitment, then you have retention, and especially in the call center space, which I know you and I both have a lot of history in the call center space. Yes. <laughs> their employee retention numbers are unbelievable. Yeah. Like turnover could be as high as 200%. I mean, on a good, in a good year. <laughs> yeah. Even, you know, on average, I think it's around 300%. It's unreal. And if you could go through and, and actually show human resources metrics and how to lower that number, I mean, that could make a dramatic change for most businesses, especially in that space. Yeah. So that's the next one. So that's called Management Training Incorporated. And the whole thing is how to train management, like just the name. You kind of see a, a theme here with my names and what how I, I name my businesses. <laughs> uh, train management to take care of their employees. There's the common theme across it, right? So it's not like you're just going off into the wild west and starting something that brand new it's at least at the core it's something that you already are good at and know how to do and can apply it against these these businesses and and again you can start to place your bets right so you can start scaling back sales and marketing because 
you've got some something that's more scalable going in those other. And that's what I tell people: like, just get started, get the momentum, get the bills paid, and work towards that freedom and the, the flexibility, right? That we we all want. We don't want to work sixty hours a week or eighty hours a week. It's um, finding that path, right? Balance. I'm definitely a few years older than you, but I mean, it's. I think that's one thing. Again, at least with this podcast, when I talk to to folks, it's much less the financial independence is important for sure. But, you know, I used to have the the three Fs. It was the freedom, flexibility, and financial independence. Yeah. But you've actually mentioned a, a couple more, I think, where I've added uh, fulfillment, right? So are you energized by what you're doing with this? And then fun. You got to have some fun. Um, oh. Fun just seems like the odd one out there. But you know what? I think if you've got those four and you don't have the fun, you may burn out, right? You got to have that that piece of it. Oh, yeah. It's kind of like this whole thing with my wife, right? Like, honestly, the journey started, you know, years ago. We've been trying to have kids for years and we haven't been able to. And it was one of those things where we were like, you know, let's do something together. You know, even if we can't have, you know, our own kids yet, you know, which, you know, obviously there's still working on it. But if we can go through and create something together and really grow together, like how much better our personal lives would be how much more fun we would have if we are working late let's at least work on something together and that is why we started made retro it was something where i love designing things and you know being a designer and being creative and all that and she loves going through and making things and being crafty and all that stuff let's do something fun together and if it ends up making you know a decent amount of money well that's great too but the initial goal is to you know do something fun together and you know when it get to the point to where you're working this many hours and burnout is right around the corner. Having something fun to look forward to makes a world of difference. So yeah, that's made retro. You know, that's you know, other printing company we're starting is called Fancy Fox. And it's just like, let's do fun business names with fun color palettes and you know, fun business models and just let's have a good fucking time. And do it no. together, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm right. thinking back through my journey when I left management consulting and you know, my wife had said, man, I didn't, what was the matter with you? I'm like, cause at the time I'm like, it was a good job, right? The kids were all in good. I mean, get starting to move towards the empty nest, but everything on the surface seemed fine. But I was just unhappy with it. And I think over the last two years, as things have evolved and I've kind of find, found a path and, you know, some of that balance and, but what really snapped it together was getting her in alignment with, with what I was doing. Now she's not the business person. She's not, but I had all this that I was doing it myself and she just wasn't a part of what was going on. So now we've actually figured out how to make, so we'll do quarterly update meetings with, with her just to make sure, Hey, are we still on the same path? It's been unbelievable in the sense of how, um, better, right. We had a lot of changes moving towards empty nest, those types of things, but having her and I back on the same page, Right. When you have little kids in the different stages, it's easy to be on that same page. And then over the years, you just kind of start yeah. doing things. So it adds the fun back to it and takes one more uh, or one of the potential stressors <laughs> off the table. But anyways, if you could do something for somebody and help them fulfill a dream like that, do it. Yeah. No, I mean, again, the, the whole point of this podcast is to show people what's possible. Right. And, the, yeah. and like I said, I love sharing your story, Brandon, because... It's one that gave us a different path, right? Different options and just shows what's possible. Um, 
And again, the one thing we try not to do on the show is just say, yeah, it's all rainbows and unicorns and no. whatever. It's, it's not. <laughs> I know means. Whatever you're working on, you're working on for you or the, the us in, in what you're doing. If there's like a last thing or like even a little snippet, there's so many people out there who are willing to help a new business. There's so many people out there that are willing to give time, resources, advice. I mean, like whatever it may be, there's so many people out there that will help young business entrepreneurs, business people who are actively wanting to learn and get better. Same thing. If you have a bunch of new listeners listening to this and they're thinking about starting their own company and they have questions, I have the young entrepreneur program for that reason. It's donated time. I will answer questions for you if you have a new business idea and you don't know how to get started. Like, don't Love be it. afraid because like there's an unknown. Like if you look at any social media platform, you look at, you know, TikTok videos, Instagram videos, anything like that, there's tons of people are like, I wish I knew this, or someone would have told me this, or I wish there was someone to help or someone to give me advice. We're out there. It, but uh, you know, you know what's interesting though is the number of people that either don't think they need help or don't want to ask for help. So I think it, the appealing to the folks true. that need help and are willing to ask, 100%, there's no absolutely no shame in that. You know, I, I posted something the other day about, you know, self-improvement and, and finally right. getting help. Because when you're in the corporate world, again, you aren't in there as long. You are a corporate escapee. You, you paid yeah. dues, but you figured it out sooner than, than many of us. And we just don't, we spend money, but we don't spend time on ourselves or how do we get better? And either between volunteers or actually paid coaches in some cases or programs. Um, that was game changer for me a couple of years yep. ago when I finally started doing that. And it just opens up the world to, you know, more resources. You don't have to do this on your own. Right. So any, any parting thoughts? I thought you just left us with a really good one. Um, and then two, where, where can people find you if they want to connect and learn more? The easiest way to find me would be, website salesandmarketingus.com it fill out a contact form i get all the contact forms if you want to reach out to me in other means again linkedin's also probably the best one uh same thing i don't check linkedin nearly as often as i should uh but i will i will respond I will, i'll check at least once a week uh last parting thoughts about all this is you know kind of going through and kind of talk about the corporate escapee if you're really listening to this and you're have a you know the intention of becoming a corporate escapee and doing your own things, again, there's a lot of resources out there. A lot of people are there to help. Uh, doing your own thing is extremely fulfilling. I highly recommend it. Going through and and being your own boss, having your own schedule, you know, you will likely end up working more hours than you are at corporate, but it's different. You're wanting to do it. Uh, if this is a really big dream of yours, it's a really big passion of yours to do that, then uh, yeah, you should do it. 100% on board, right? Life's too short not to. That's right. right. It's go through the motions. I think we've learned a lot post-pandemic about what's important to us, right? That's right. Especially some of us that just went through those motions for years. So, all right, Brandon, well, really appreciate it. Um, no we'll catch up with you in the, the not too distant future and appreciate your time. Thank you, Brett.